Engage, a podcast from the Delta Master Executive Council. Thank you for listening to Engage. Today's episode is on the art of negotiations. This episode will focus on Section 6 process and resuming mediated contract 2019 negotiations. With negotiations scheduled to restart next week, it's a good time to review Section 6 of the Railway Labor Act and what this process looks like for us. Many of our pilots have never gone through an entire Section 6 negotiation before. We've hired over 4,000 pilots since contract 2015, and many pilots may not have been part of an airline contract negotiation. To help cover these topics today, we have with us MEC Chairman Captain Jason Ambrosi and Chad Smith, the chair of the Delta MEC Negotiating Committee, and from our Alpha legal team, Andrew Brenner. Thank you all for joining us. Jason, welcome. Uh, we're re-engaging with the company next week in mediated talks. Could you give us um, a high-level overview on where we are and what we can expect going forward? Yeah, thanks, Evan. And uh, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our, our first podcast of this kind. Uh, this has been successful at other properties. It's kind of new for us, so uh, bear with us, and we think this will be a good product going forward. My name is Jason Ambrosi. I'm a 7ER captain here uh, in Atlanta. I've been with Delta about 22 years, so I've been through the ups of uh, Contract 2000, the downs of furlough after 9-11, the, the major downs of bankruptcy, and, and now back to uh, where we're back up on the top of the industry, followed by COVID and, and where we are today. So uh, I've been through it. Where are we right now? Section 6 was paused with COVID, so it's time to get back at it. I've been asked whether with this spike we should continue, and the answer is yes. We don't know what's going to come in the future. Is it going to be a spike after spike? However, the time is now to get back into it. The union's priorities have not changed since we started the Section 6 process, an industry-leading contract that you deserve. We've done considerable prep work before we engage in several rounds of statistically valid polling, a comprehensive survey. I want to thank you because it had a significantly better turnout than the original contract 2019 survey. I've been asked why survey? Because we want to make sure we deliver a contract that reflects the desires of our membership. We've had demographic changes since we originally entered Section 6, as well as this COVID pandemic has tested parts of our contract that we may have been completely unaware of. Quality of life issues, things like uh, deadhead and, and positive space, commute, things that we didn't even put as much pressure on as we may have before. Also, the MEC was very engaged in the direction. We had a special meeting where many of your reps were not at the table when we originally set direction for contract 2019. They saw all of the direction where we are. Chad and his team did an excellent job of briefing the MEC at our current progress, what's been done, where we're at, and where we need to go. I will say our focus remains on the four pillars, scope, pay, retirement, and quality of life. Pilot Resolve is stronger than ever. You have helped this company through this pandemic. You are truly frontline leaders, and it now is the time for the company to invest in its pilots. Invest in us. I'll turn it back to you, Evan. Thanks, Jason. Um, let's talk a little bit about our negotiators, just to kind of introduce, you know, who's sitting at the table for us. Captain uh, Chad Smith, welcome. Could you take a moment to uh, just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the negotiating committee for those that might uh, be unaware? 
Sure. Good morning, Evan. Happy New Year to you. Uh, good to be uh, back at it. My name is Chad Smith. I'm the chairman of the negotiating committee. I'm a 767-400 captain. I live up in Athens, Georgia with two kids. I've got a uh, junior at the University of Georgia, and I have a senior in high school on his way to the Coast Guard Academy next year. I've been at Delta about 25 years. I'll introduce the rest of the team as well. I'll try to keep it short, but uh, it's important you know who's going to be sitting at the table with us uh, for the uh, rest of the negotiation. Eric Criswell is negotiator number two. We have four total. Uh, he's an Airbus 320 captain, been here about 11 years, going on 12. I think he turns 12 in September, if I recall correctly. Brandon Conwell is the uh, 737 first officer, I've been at Delta seven years. And Rich Wheeler is our fourth negotiator. He's a 717 captain. Uh, he's 23 years old, going on 24, originally from Northwest Airlines. Also, Jason is part of the negotiating committee uh, by his title as the Delta MEC chairman. He belongs to every committee, including the negotiating committee. He usually uh, relinquishes that seat to a seat filler. And generally speaking, that is a gentleman by the name of Greg Hurley, who's a 767 captain, former Northwest as well, been here a total of 24 years. Negotiating committee has been together about four years, uh, various times uh, for all of us, but uh, all said and done, we just passed four years total as a team on the negotiating committee. Rich has been here a little bit less. Uh, Eric's been here a little more, but uh, generally speaking, uh, we were sitting on about four years of experience total. Hey, that's great. Sounds like a really uh, good team you got put together. I'd like to uh, introduce Andrew Brenner. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Can you talk a little bit about yourself and the role that uh, you play on the team? Sure. Thanks for having me, Evan. My name is Andrew Brenner. I'm the uh, MEC coordinator and senior labor relations counsel for the Delta MEC. I serve as an advisor to the uh, elected pilot leadership and support the negotiating committee at the bargaining table, uh, formulating negotiating proposals, discussing negotiating strategy and, and crafting contract language. I'm just one part of the uh, team of professional ALPA staff uh, who support the negotiating committee. I'd be remiss without also mentioning Assistant Director of Representation, Art Luby, and uh, Financial Analysis Manager, Patrick Cropper from ALPA's Economic and uh, Financial Analysis Department, among others who are there supporting the, supporting the committee. All right, thanks for being with us. So let's talk a little bit about why uh, it's important to have various folks uh, at the negotiating table for us. So uh, why it's important to have both pilots uh, and uh, professional negotiators at the table for us. Um, Chad, could you speak to that a little bit? Uh, kind of why, why you're there as a pilot and why we've got folks like um, Andrew and uh, Art Luby joining us? Sure. Yeah, I, th I think it's always important. The debate goes back and forth every single contract cycle. Should we hire professional negotiators? And, and our response is that we do have professional negotiators. Uh, Andrew and Art, Andrew kind of stole my thunder. I was going to introduce Art a little bit later down the road, but that's Andrew and Art have, um, have been doing this forever. Uh, Art particularly uh, has been doing this a long time, has testified in front of Congress, uh, was responsible for a lot of the negotiation with regard to the CARES Act funding. So there's a lot of good experience there on the ins and out of the Railway Labor Act and processes, uh, but you never can replace the knowledge base that pilots have and the skin in the game that with regard to the contract intricacies. Um, nobody can explain a reroute better to, to the opposite uh, team, the company's team, or to the mediator uh, as to how reroute works. Nobody, no, nobody can really tie those tie the, the strategy of negotiating with the actual knowledge of the contract more so than a pilot. Uh, so we can get whoever we need. We, we hire outside industry consultants all the time. 
Uh, and again, we have our, our solid team of Alpa National, uh, the core team of professionals that have done this uh, essentially since the beginning of time and brought knowledge forward from their uh, predecessors as well. All right, Andrew, do you have anything to add when it comes to having professional negotiators and pilots at the table? Yeah, sure, Evan. I, I often hear questions from uh, Delta pilots about uh, professional negotiators. I think there's a common mistaken perception about that. I think Chad covered it well. Um, it's important that the Delta pilots are aware here at Delta MEC and actually at all ALPA pilot groups, professional negotiators support pilot negotiators. ALPA's representation department staff includes dozens uh, of experienced professional negotiators, uh, seasoned attorneys, and expert labor relations advisors. ALPA has more attorneys who have negotiated pilot collective bargaining agreements under the RLA than any law firm, airline, or, or other airline labor union. Um, it's essential to have pilot negotiators at the table as well. They are often subject matter experts uh, in many areas of the PWA and in the best position to understand the impact of various contractual provisions. Um, and when the deal is done, the pilots on the negotiating committee live under the negotiated agreement. It can make a, a difference when talking about tentative agreement to fellow pilots. Just knowing that this uh, TA will impact the negotiators the same as every other pilot on the line. I believe at most other pilot unions, it's quite common to have pilot negotiators at the bargaining table. Sure. It sounds like you get a, a lot of support from Alpa National in terms of the ability to to kind of figure out uh, numbers and information and and work on developing um, a strategy. What so what kind of support, if you can go into a little bit more depth about the uh, support you get from National, what, uh, what do they help you bring to the table? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Whatever I need, basically, is the long story short of it. Whatever we need, we can delegate resources to. Um, Andrew already talked about Alpa National, Art Luby, the Assistant Director of Representation. Patrick Cropper is our, our wizard on costing. Any kind of data manipulation, any kind of data crunching. Uh, Patrick Cropper, the Managing Financial Analysis for Alpa. Just an outstanding individual. We've got a host of retirement and insurance specialists up at Alpa National who know the, the intricacies of insurance law and retirement legal interpretations. Um, if we need outside consulting, we can hire professionals. Uh, for example, we just concluded negotiations on the market-based cash balance plan. As part of that, we hired a company called PricewaterhouseCoopers. Most of the pilots have probably heard of that uh, that entity before, and they'll actually be the one managing our new market-based cash balance plan. So, uh, again, it, that was kind of a short story long, but uh, what, whatever we need, we can command. Uh, we have the resources to do it here at Delta, and we have the the base knowledge up at Alpa National um, for for the run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. Excellent. So it sounds like we bring a pretty good, uh, pretty pretty solid team to the table. In terms of who we're sitting across from at the table uh, during negotiations, who's sitting across from us on the company side, if you can get into that? Sure. It's a, it's a good team. We've known them quite a while. Um, kind of leading their team, I would say, is a, is a gentleman named Mark Esposito. He's their managing director of labor relations. You know, everybody thinks there's a whole team of lawyers sitting in the room. He's, he's really the only lawyer. Those of you who remember JetBlue a couple of years ago got their initial contract. They used to be not unionized. They are unionized now. They're an Alpa entity, and they got their first contract with Mark sitting on the company side of that negotiation against Art Luby, 
uh, of all things. So that was a pretty lucrative contract for the JetBlue guys. So he's their kind of their lead, if you will, at the table. The the pilot lead at the table is a gentleman named Brian Pickett. I think he's a 220 Czech Airman. He's uh, their their negotiator on the pilot side, if you will. He's a director level for their uh, fleet training administration. Another staple over there is a lady named Lourdes Di Pietro. She's a manager in labor relations over there, kind of their organizer. When we send all the electronic documents over, she's the one who receives them and keeps them organized on the company side, furiously typing, taking notes uh, while we're at the negotiating table with the company. And kind of their their antithesis of, of Patrick Cropper is a guy named Michael Corbridge. He's the managing director of pilot crew. I'm sorry, not pilot crew, he's managing director of finance. So he's their costing official. He keeps track of the money we're spending on the company side of the, he does all that for them. Everybody else who comes and goes kind of depends on who we're, what we're talking about. If we're talking about, you know, scheduling stuff, we've got Tim Henny wrote over there, uh, the managing director of uh, pilot crew resources and scheduling. Uh, it just kind of depends if we, if, if we get into retirement and insurance stuff, we'll have Julie Young, who's kind of their retirement and insurance legal expert over there. Just kind of depends on what we're negotiating for everybody else. But those are the four core individuals that are almost always there. Excellent. Great. So let's get into a little bit about where we are, just kind of high level and what's uh, what's important about this week, uh, this next week. So, um, Chad, uh, hate to, you know, put you on the spot again, but uh, sort of, you know, where do we leave off negotiations right before COVID? If you can give maybe a condensed little timeline of how long we've been negotiating for pilots that are new to the property here. And then, Andrew, if you want to chime in maybe on, on sort of mediation and what that means. Yeah, I guess I'll start. So we started negotiating in April of 2019. We opened up about 270, not almost, but exactly 270 days early from our amendable date of December 31st of 2019. Uh, spent the, the rest of the year negotiating in 2019, and then everybody remembers very well. The company requested that we go to mediation, so we did go in, into mediation in February of 2020 for about a month, a little over a month, actually. And then COVID hit on March 11th, 2020. That's when we suspended negotiations. Uh, so since then, it's been kind of a triage uh, type scenario. Uh, we've gotten some good uh, good gains. Um, we, uh, we managed to keep everybody employed, which was a good thing. Maybe a little bit of luck in there with the CARES Act funding uh, helped us out considerably, but we were prepared either way. But we did, a, I, I think, a fairly decent job of not only preserving what we had uh, from the inevitable onslaught from the company, but we actually made some good permanent gains that uh, we probably otherwise wouldn't have done, but for the the uniqueness of the situation. And then we're going to start again next week on the 18th, Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be our first actual Section 6 contract negotiation going forward. So we're starting it all back up just a little under two years from where we left off. Uh, specifically speaking, uh, we, you know, as far as how far the contracts um, completed, uh, technically speaking, we're about halfway through the sections. We've tentatively agreed to about half of the sections. I think practically speaking, that's a little under halfway uh, there with the amount of items that are still left out on the table and the the magnitude of the sections that are left. Uh, a lot of the low-hanging fruit, if you will, has been kind of uh, finished, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, nothing's finished until the entire contract's finished. And we'll be jumping back into, uh, say, training. I think training is going to be one of the first ones. Uh, deadhead, we're going to try to finish that up, but hopefully this first negotiating session, a bunch of sections we're going to jump into. Scheduling both 12 and 23 will be uh, some of the sections that we'll jump into. And then we uh, we have some other ancillary kind of negotiations going on as well. Uh, the market base is, is pretty much 
complete. We need to do the implementation of that, which I'm hoping, knock on wood, will happen sometime this year. People start spilling cash. They're going to want a, a tax deferred vehicle for that to go into. So we're working on some finishing items on that and getting it implemented, as well as the global scope, which we've uh, been kind of advertising ad nauseum. We'll be chipping away at that uh, this weekend, next week, actually, probably. So that's what's going on kind of in a nutshell over the next couple of weeks. You know, we're in uh, we're in mediation now. And Andrew, can you speak a little bit to what that is and sort of why we're in mediation? Sure. Mediation, when you think mediation, the National Mediation Board or NMB has uh, uh, invoked jurisdiction. And that's usually marked by the presence of a mediator who is a, a neutral from the NMB. The NMB is uh, statutorily charged under the Railway Labor Act with overseeing the negotiations and this really assisting the parties uh, in reaching an agreement. When the NMB exercises its control over uh, bargaining, uh, essentially the board, as, as sometimes it's referred to, uh, has the authority to determine things such as um, how often the parties meet, uh, locations, where the parties meet, subjects of discussion, and of course, uh, how long the parties remain in mediation. In, in other words, the NMB has the sole discretion to decide whether to uh, release the parties in the event it's determined an impasse has been reached. Um, I think it's important to point out sometimes people confuse mediator and arbitrator, um, who is also a, a third party neutral. An arbitrator decides disputes, uh, usually interpreting collective bargaining agreement uh, in our context. Here, it's important to remember that the mediator does not decide on the specific terms of an agreement that's left um, that's left to the parties. Sure. So we're really we're negotiating really under the uh, RLA now, and uh, we always have. And can you? Andrew, uh, just speak a little kind of high level here to what the RLA is and sort of how it applies to our negotiations right now, and then how that kind of works into a predefined negotiation process. Right. The Railway Labor Act, which uh, has been amended a few times, governs uh, labor relations in the rail and airline industry. So we do not fall under the National Labor Relations Act which sometimes sometimes people get confused. The RLA governs not just bargaining uh, at Delta and, and other airlines, but it governs all of labor relations, uh, including any adjustment of contractual disputes through the grievance and system board of adjustment process. Uh, a, a primary purpose of the RLA is to avoid any interruption of interstate commerce or a disruption to the carrier's operation. To that extent, the RLA bargaining process is a uh, is really a lengthy one, and as I mentioned previously, is controlled by the National Mediation Board. So right now, we've completed direct negotiations. We've there's been a joint petition to the NMB. Uh, the NMB has uh, invoked jurisdiction, and uh, we are now in mediation. And we will remain in mediation until either an agreement is reached or the NMB determines that the parties are at an impasse and at that point releases the parties to engage in self-help. Uh, but before that can occur, there's a 30-day cooling off period that must be exhausted after a proffer of arbitration is rejected, uh, which starts the 30-day cooling off clock. So hopefully that kind of lays out a, a little bit of the timeline under uh, 
the act. Yeah, and we're going to have resources for pilots to dig into some of this uh, down the road as we uh, continue to move forward. Chad, it's really hard to tell. I don't want to put you on the spot timeline-wise, but let's say, uh, let's just take a hypothetical. You're getting kind of close to the end here. What uh, what would that process uh, look like? So you you come to the to an agreement on uh, you know basically every section that's open. What uh, what's the process moving forward? So when is the average line pilot going to get to see all of this and make some decisions? Yeah, I wish I had that answer. The short answer is the the line pilots will see an agreement when our goals are met, when the company has met the goals that we have uh, set out for ourselves. And that's directed by the elected reps, directing the negotiating committee for the minimum standards of what a new agreement is going to look like. Until that happens, uh, we will continue negotiating. Um, just to kind of take you through the process a little bit, I guess, I don't know if that's what you were asking or not, but um, basically how it works is we we come to a conceptual agreement on each section of the contract, and once that conceptual agreement is done, we actually write the language for each of those individual sections of the contract, exactly what we have agreed to verbatim in legal contractual language. Uh, once all 28 sections of the contract have that legal contractual language, we declare what's called a TA on the uh, on the Section 6 process, and, and then we will send that language to the MEC. Uh, they need to have it in their hands for seven days. About that time, we will probably, I'm guessing, it's going to be up to the MEC, but uh, generally speaking, we release a notepad, a negotiator notepad, which will have the bullet points of the highlights of the entire agreement and what it looks like. The MEC will keep that language for a minimum of seven days in their hands and review it, and then we will have a special meeting and review that language with them, take them through it step by step, word by word, explain exactly what the agreement means and what it doesn't mean. And then they will vote on whether that TA is good enough or if they need to send us back in and uh, keep trying. If they do vote unanim or unanimously or by a majority, that will get sent to the pilots. That is policy. That will happen. This won't just get pushed without a membership ratification. So the pilots will have an opportunity to membership ratify any new Section 6 agreement, any full contract, I guess I should say, before it becomes actual in effect. And, and generally speaking, they become effective immediately upon ratification. Timeline? I don't know. Obviously, we all want it sooner rather than later. That's going to kind of be in the company's hands just to put a fine point on it. And as long as they're willing to to meet our goals, then it will happen sooner. If they need to be convinced to meet our goals, well, that tends to draw the process out a little bit more. Excellent. Well, as, as a line pilot, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm pretty excited about this, that we're finally reengaging here. And this podcast is definitely an initiative to really put information out there and be open and transparent. So what are some ways that pilots can stay engaged in the process? Yeah, Evan, thanks. That's essential. We need our pilots to stay engaged, be in the loop on where we're at in this process. Stay up to date, read what we put out. Uh, every con we put out, listen to podcasts. We have a folder on the iPad that has everything in it that you could need. So uh, easy to find. Feedback to your reps. Keep talking to your reps. Let us know what you're thinking, what you see. Ongoing polling. We're going to make sure that we keep polling throughout this process so we're getting what the pilots want. Answer that phone. The best way to tell us what you want is answer that phone when the New Hampshire number calls and give us that feedback, that is statistically valid feedback that is essential for your reps to continue charting the direction. 
Excellent, great. Uh, we're definitely going to keep uh, keep doing this. I think this is a good way, you know, to get to know everybody. Chad, anything you want to add to that in terms of ways uh, pilots can keep their uh, priorities heard, or can you speak to what the negotiating committee uh, would like to see and is helpful for you guys? Yeah, I think Jason actually hit on most of the points. Uh, your elected reps are the conduit to the negotiating committee. They do all the directing of the negotiating committee. We certainly get emails and we certainly welcome emails. We do our best to respond to them. In fact, I've designated one specifically uh, during the contract to, to be in charge of responding to emails. But I can't stress enough, the elected representatives, your elected representatives are the, are the conduit. They have the power to direct the negotiating committee. Uh, the only other thing I'll really address is rumors. Um, you know. Some of us are various uh, at various levels of social media participation. I happen to be on Facebook. I don't I don't think much of the rest of my team is actually. I don't get a chance to be on Facebook much, but I do see the rumors there. If you haven't heard it from us, if you haven't seen it in a comp from us, or you haven't heard it from your elected representatives, then it is just that a rumor. And I can't stress enough that unfounded rumors are the devil. It's a, it's a problem. Don't let rumors get out of control. You'll hear them there. You'll, you'll hear a lot of stuff out there. If you have a question, contact your reps because that's where the accurate information will come from or from the negotiating committee. I, I would caution everybody not to let the rumor mill get out of control. The unity amongst pilots is going to be absolutely crucial in this negotiation uh, to meet the goals that we've set for ourselves. Thanks, Evan, Chad, uh, Andrew, for being part of this today. Obviously, we'll streamline the process as we go forward. Uh, thank you to the pilots for your continued engagement. Please keep it up. As Chad said, your reps drive the direction based on the will of the pilot group. I know that I'm looking forward to restarting negotiations as you are as well. Stay engaged in polling surveys. Again, we want to ensure that we keep the pulse of what you, the pilots, want. Your priorities drive these negotiations. Stay informed. Continue to look for important information from your union as we progress down this process. We'll continue this podcast series as well as other communications venues to keep you abreast of where we are in negotiations. Again, what's our goal? Deliver you a contract reflective of Delta's place in this industry. If the company can invest billions of dollars in our joint venture partners, they certainly can and should invest in us. Thank you for joining us and turn it back to you, Evan. Excellent. Thanks, Jason. Chad, thank you for joining us. Andrew, thank you. We've learned a lot about the negotiations process and kind of where we stand. I sure have. We're going to put a transcript of today's podcast in the show notes as well. So if you can't uh, listen, we'll have a transcript of the podcast available to read. And uh, I'm really looking forward to continuing to host some discussions with uh, union leadership at least once a month, just to get good information out there in another format. So uh, please subscribe to the podcast and stay engaged. Continue to reach out uh, directly to your reps. And uh, we really hope you enjoyed today's uh, episode of Engage. It's our second episode, and we would really enjoy it if you could provide feedback on the podcast to the Communications Committee. You can reach us through DART, which is available on the MEC website or through the ALPA app. And until then, we'll see you uh, next time on another episode of Engage. Thanks for joining us. This has been Engage, a podcast from the Delta Master Executive Council. Tune in next month for more content by pilots for pilots.